kids like you Maker of heaven Lord of the land And Lord of the sea Holy and true Faithful and able Lord of all time And eternity So let's pray As we get into the word of God today, this evening um, We are looking at living by faith And it's a study that um, the Lord has led us to uh, share here uh, As a very crucial component of what our Christian life uh, is all about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for living truth. Thank you for everyone, Lord, joining. Thank you for this time that you have set apart for your spirit to just walk in our lives, that which is good and pleasing in your sight. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, take away the veil from our eyes and cause your faith that you have planted in our hearts Lord, to be maximized, that we might live the life of faith, the life of confident trust in God, the life of convictions that emanate from faith and trust in you. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you would take away the veil and give us light in your word at this time. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Amen. So one more time, welcome everyone. In Jesus' name, you're very much welcome. So like I said, we are looking at living by faith, living by faith. And I believe that there is no better time to look at a matter like this than such a time as one we live in right now. Um, the world has drastically changed, as many of us, you know, are obviously aware and can confirm. And we must go back to our foundations and the core of the faith that we profess. And that's why this evening we are focusing on living by faith. And our primary text is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 which says that we walk by faith, not by sight. We will be, uh, you know, looking at this roadmap, which I have put up there to guide our conversation together. Um, just a brief introduction, and then we'll be looking at why faith is so important. Following that, we'll now look at living by faith. What does it actually mean to live by faith? Because I found in my studies that living by faith was not what I thought it was. I have come to understand that um, living by faith uh, is much deeper than using faith to collect things from God. Um, so then, of course, we are going to also look at what faith is. Biblical, solid, um, uh, balanced faith. Not the faith that goes to one extreme uh, and is just, like I said, used to get God to do something, but the faith that is trust and absolute confidence in God and in his truth, in his purposes, and in his priorities. 
So we are going to be looking at the core of faith. What do you really have at the center of faith when you talk about the life of faith? And then we'll look at some examples of the faith walk and then how to find faith as well as then close with some applications um, that we will be able to make uh, towards the end. So let's begin with why faith is so important. Why is faith so important? I believe that the scripture we have on the screen there, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, summarizes it. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In this very important verse of scripture, we are being told that without faith, it's impossible to please God. This scripture does not say it is difficult to please God without faith. It says it's impossible. It's impossible. And when the Holy Spirit tells you that something is impossible, then it must be impossible indeed. Now, why does it say so? It says because there is a reason. So this is not an arbitrary statement. There is a reason. It says because anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So notice, there are two things that anybody who comes to God is required to believe. The first thing is required to believe is that God exists. It's not that God is a rewarder. See, the first thing there in the order is that the person must believe that the person you are coming to, the God you are coming to, that he exists. Because if you don't believe that he exists, then why come to him in the first place? And then the second thing is that this God who now exists, to whom you are coming, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, you don't seek him in vain. So, why is faith so important? It's because faith is the bridge to the invisible. Faith is the bridge to the invisible. This is such an important principle. You see, those who do not have faith, they do not have access to the invisible realm. The reason is because for you to access an what I'm saying even holds true for even negative faith in the evil invisible. You see, you also have the invisible that is evil. To communicate with that invisible, evil invisible, faith is also required. So faith is the bridge to the invisible. The person without faith is limited to the visibles. Anybody who does not have faith will have to face life with only what he can see, what he can feel, what he can touch. It will be only the access of his senses that will 
assist such a person in living life. The person can only access what his senses can access. Why is that so? Because he does not have the critical element that we provide a bridge to the invisible. Now, because faith is the bridge to the invisible, connecting the seen and the unseen realms, faith now becomes a bridge through which the resources of the invisible realm can flow to the visible realm. Faith becomes the bridge, the channel, through which the requests and the communication and the worship flowing from the visible realm where we are located can flow into the invisible realm. So faith makes traffic possible. I said faith makes traffic between the visible and the invisible possible. Faith makes contact possible. Faith makes it possible for what is in the invisible realm to manifest in the visible and what is in the visible to contact the invisible. Now, because of that, faith now becomes a bridge to omnipotence. You see, because you see the word invisible that I have on the screen there, you might notice that I put it in capital. The reason is because invisible is actually a name for God in scripture. Now, Bible says, now, um, unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory and honor and power forever. So because faith bridges us to the invisible God, faith becomes an, a bridge to omnipotence. Faith links impotence to omnipotence. Faith connects the impotence of the visible realm to the omnipotence of the invisible realm of the invisible God. And by the way, that invisible realm is the ultimate reality. <laughs> you know, you know, one day it dawned on me that the visibles who were created by the invisible, they now turn around and say that they are more real than the invisible that gave them reality. You see, everything you see was not made from what you see. Every visible has been made by the invisible. That's why the Bible says, say through faith, we understand that the things which are seen, we are not made by the things which appear, which are visible. In other words, everything you call reality on planet Earth, things that look tangible, they came out of what is intangible. The things you can feel came out from a realm that you cannot feel. The visibles, the things you can see. So what that means is that the ultimate reality to which faith is connected can impose itself on sub-realities. I said the ultimate reality to which faith is connected has capacity to impose itself on the sub-realities of the visible realm. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'd like you to see how 
Kenneth West put Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. It says, and if you don't mind, you can even read it, you know, in your place as I put it up there on the screen. Kenneth West, the expanded New Testament, he translates it like this. He says, now without faith, it is impossible to please him at all. Why, sir? He said, because he who comes to God must of the necessity in the nature of the case believe that he exists and that he also becomes a rewarder of those who diligently seek him out. You see, there's something that Kenneth West is bringing out here. That is when he says that he who comes to God must of the necessity in the nature of the case. In other words, there is, there, he gets, the way some people will say it in is pidgin English, they say, he gets as the thing be that makes faith necessary. There is a case, you see, it is necessary in the case of the visible and the invisible for you to believe. Because if you don't believe that what you cannot see exists, then how can you access what you cannot see? How would you even come to somebody? Imagine that you don't believe that your neighbor exists. You won't go to collect, um, uh, you know, uh, a, a lawnmower from, an, from a neighbor who does not exist. You cannot go to, you know, ask for his car to take somebody to the, you know, to have a baby if you don't believe that a neighbor exists. So, believing that God exists is the foundational thing there. And then look at the second part that he is a rewarder. That's why as we continue our study, when we get to Abraham, you will notice that what the Bible says is that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The Bible does not say Abraham believed the promises. The reason is because you must believe the promiser before you can believe the promise. What I'm saying is so foundational. That's why it seems as if I am repeating something here. You see, faith does not rest on promises, first of all. Faith rests on the promiser. The reason is because it is not the promise that makes the promise credible. It is the promiser. You see, it is the faithfulness of the promiser that you transpose to the promise. I said it is the attributes of the promiser that you transfer to the promise. If somebody you know, if the person is a liar, he's unstable, he, 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 he is not trustworthy, and then the person makes a promise to you, you dismiss the promise. You don't bother claiming it. You don't bother believing it because something says to you, his promise is just like himself. So, when we see the faithfulness of God, it, look, if you know the promiser, it is easy to believe the promise. I said, if you get a revelation of the promiser, it is easy to believe the promise. Actually, when you know the promiser and you hear the promise, you know what you're going to say? You will say, he can afford it. Imagine now that um, the richest man in the world presently is Jeff Bezos. 
Imagine that Mr. Bezos promised to give you a car. You don't need a lot of faith to believe that Mr. Bezos will give you a car if he makes that promise to you. Because in your mind, he said, he can afford it. He can afford not just a car, he can afford the car company. Now, if he promises to give you a, a, you know, a jumbo jet, an airplane, something says in your mind, he can afford it. He can afford it. He, after all, is the richest person in the world. He can afford it. You see, by the same token, when we see God as he truly is, when we see him in the fullness of his glory as is revealed in scripture, when you now hear the promises of God, do you know what is going to rise up in your spirit? You will say to yourself, he can afford it. He can afford healing for my body. He can afford to forgive my sins. He can afford to help me to live a holy life. He can afford it. Why is that so? Because you have gotten a revelation of the promiser. You can see the nature and the character of the one to whom you have come. And now it's easy to trust him. So faith is important because it's much, much more than something we use to collect something from God. Faith is a connection that makes everything possible. I say faith is a bridge, a connection that makes everything possible. Faith is a network access that makes downloads possible. Uploads, <laughs> to use a metaphor of the internet, faith is a, is a connection that makes uploads and downloads possible from the invisible realm. And we are saved by faith. We walk by faith. Why are we saved by faith? Because the Jesus you are going to believe in, you have never seen him. You were not there when Calvary took place. So if you don't believe that it happened, how can you benefit from it? If you don't believe that it happened, how can you benefit from it? Now, we walk by faith. We are going to be looking at that in further detail. We are kept by faith. We receive by faith. So all of these are important reasons why faith is very important. And we will continue our studies to see how we can live by faith. Praise God. Amen. Okay. Now, so what does it mean to live by faith? For us to begin to engage this, when you have some time, please read the uh, entire context of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and into chapter 5 because that is going to give you a better understanding of the whole context that Brother Paul said we live by faith. But for the sake of our study and because of our time, let's focus on verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. And I've put it up in several translations to help our understanding. It says, indeed, our lives are guided by faith, not by sight. <laughs> In other words, what we see is not the determinant of our lives. Our lives don't go in the direction of what we see. It goes in the direction of what we believe. Look at how the Amplified, this is the new Amplified, puts it. He said, for we walk by faith, not by sight. 
living our lives in a manner that is consistent with our confident belief. Please, I want you to note that now because, you, you know, when I was a younger believer, I thought that living by faith means that maybe, you know, you are a preacher of the gospel, you don't earn a salary, and then, you know, now you are living by faith and people have to support you and uh, give you money and, uh, you know, um, just stand with you as partners to make sure that you don't lack, so you are living by faith. <laughs> no, 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 no. It is also living by faith, but please listen. Even the people that go to work, they, they, they have to live by faith. It takes a lot of faith to go to work. And in some countries, unfortunately, like my own country, it takes a lot of faith even to have your salary at the end of the month after you have worked. That's, that's really sad, but that's the truth. So living by faith is not just that you are believing God for money. No, it's an entire life that is consistent with your confident belief in God and in his promises. The, this New Century Version says, we live by what we believe, not by what we can see. We live by what we believe, not by what we can see. Then, look what he says in the next verse there, in Wemont New Testament. He says, for we are living a life of faith, not one of sight. So you see, our eyes don't control us. Oh, glory to the name of Jesus. To be set free from your eyes. To be set free from a life dominated by your physical eyes. What a triumph. What a miracle. Only Christ could do this. Because the entire world, they live by their eyes. If they can't see a way, it means there is no way. If the thing looks attractive, it means they should pursue it. They have nothing to regulate their lives. Which brings me to the Amplified Translation now. This is the Amplified Classic. Oh, brother, I want you, my sister, I want you to look at this scripture very carefully. This, this was the scripture that God used to show me what it actually means to live by faith. Look at how the Amplified Classic says it. He said, for we walk by faith. Look at the part I put in red in the screen there. He said, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief. <laughs> that is what it means to live by faith. To regulate your life by your convictions. To conduct yourself according to your convictions, according to what you believe. That is the life of faith. The life of faith is a life that is internally regulated, not by what people say, not by society, not by, not by the media, not by the sight of your eyes or what your senses feel, but by your convictions, by your belief. Respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with holy favor, fervor and thus we walk not by sight or appearance. So note, so the life of faith, that's why for a person of faith, whether this, what you see agrees with the promise or it does not agree with the promise, it's immaterial. That's why Abraham, the Bible said he was not, he did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. When he considered 
the deadness of his own body and the deadness of Sarah's womb. You see, because Abraham was not looking at himself. He was looking at the invisible. He was not thinking about what can I do. He is talking of what did the invisible one say. That's the life of faith. A life of faith is that in the presence of temptation, your convictions take over. Hey, hallelujah. In the presence of temptation, your convictions rise up. So, you, you, what you are seeing with your eyes are secondary. You are checking, what do you believe? Ferdinand, what are your convictions about this thing? In the presence of Goliath, your convictions take over. In the presence of the impossible, your convictions rise up. In the presence of fear, your convictions rise up. You see, that is why, brothers and sisters, I want you to listen to me, servants of God, elders. There are, you know, leaders from around the world here this evening. And, and, and thank you for taking the time to study the word of God together. I want you to listen. In the presence, in the world today, please listen to this. Convictions rule the world. Convictions. A lot of believers do not understand the power of convictions. Convictions determine destinies. Convictions determine trajectories. Your conviction will determine the direction of your life. Your convictions will determine if you're in ministry. It is what you believe that will determine the direction of your ministry. If all you're talking about is money, 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 it's because that's what you believe. That's your conviction. That once people get money, everything is okay. Other important aspects of the gospel will not be important to you. See, do you know that the Muslims in the world today, the people you call radicals, do you know the meaning of the word radical? The root from where you get radical is an agricultural term that is called radical radical not c-a-l now c-l-e radical it is that word radical from where you get radical what does radical mean radical is the root if you know remember in agriculture if you remember that tap root that enters into the ground that is the radical that's from where they get the word radical so to be radical means to be rooted. The conviction is so rooted that it cannot be uprooted. That's the person you call radical. And you see these radical Muslims, their convictions determine their lives. Oh, for a generation of Christians that are ruled by convictions from scripture. Oh, for a generation of believers whose entire lives are determined by their convictions. This is what it means to live by faith. The alternative, I must tell you, to living by faith is to live by sight, to follow your eyes. And our eyes are liars. <laughs> My eye is a liar. Your, I'm sure your eyes must have told you lies. You know, we were teaching... Uh, in Kenya one time in the school of life and one of the participants told us the story of how he was going to pick up a, a snake thinking it was a stick <laughs> he saw a stick something like a stick he was going to pick it up only to realize that no it's not a stick it's a snake 
So if you are dependent on your eyes, you're going to make, you will see a mirage and you will think it's, it's water. Those that are living by sight, they are, the life of sight is a limited life. That's the alternative to faith. It's the life of appearances, feelings. Imagine trying to run your family based on how you feel. When you feel like you forgive your spouse, when you feel like you say hello, good morning, when you feel like, you know, you do your duty in your home, <laughs> there'll be chaos. You don't run a family on how you feel. You run it by what you believe. So unbelief is the alternative, the sad alternative to the life of faith. But thank God that that is not your portion as a child of God. This now brings me to the question of, so what is faith? And we are going to be spending a few minutes on this. What is faith? Let's use scripture. Let the scripture answer. Let scripture answer. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So please notice, brothers and sisters, that faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. So because it's hoped for, it means it's invisible. It is the evidence of things not seen. Because you can't see it, it means it's invisible. So you can see from the definition of faith that we have in this scripture that faith has to do with the invisible. See the other translations. Faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. Please note the term assures and convinces. Please keep those words in your mind because you are going to see that those are the things that are at the core of faith. And the other version says, faith is being sure about what we hope for, being convinced, convinced. Do you, listen, do you know what faith is, servants of God? Faith is when God convinces, convinces you to agree with what he said. That is faith. Faith is being convinced by the word of God. When God convinces, you come to a point of conviction. <laughs> Where you agree, you are now convinced that what God said is actually true. That is faith. That God is able to do what he said. That is faith. That Christ paid the price for us and your trust in him guarantees eternity. That is faith. You are now convinced. Now, look at how some more translations put it. He said, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, the conviction of things not seen. This is the English Standard Version. Faith is the conviction. So, faith is conviction of things that are not seen. And what we are seeing this evening, servants of God, elders, brothers and sisters, is that the life of faith is a life that is regulated by convictions. We are going to do applications when we now begin to look at, so what are some of these convictions that must regulate our lives? Convictions in respect of different, different aspects of life. When our lives are regulated by these convictions, we are living by faith. Faith is a sure confidence of things that are hoped for and a certainty of things that are not seen. And the Young's literal, this is the literal translation, 
It says, faith is of things hoped for a confidence and of matters not seen a conviction. Let's go back again to the Amplified Translations. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. So you see, it's coming from God. And the evidence of things not seen. Listen, see, look, look, look. It says, the conviction of their reality. In other words, you can't see it, but you are convinced of the reality of what you have not seen. Whether it is God that you have not seen, heaven that you have not seen, eternity that you have not seen, a miracle that you have not seen, an answer to a prayer that you have not seen, the reality of what you have not seen. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. And I like the way the Amplified Classic brings out some aspect here. He says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. You see, a title deed is a very interesting document. You know, in some countries, it is called Certificate of Occupancy. It's the title to show that you have a property. Let's say now you, you have a house, you have a home, or you have land somewhere, and then you have a title deed, title document. That's the document that shows that you have the house. So now imagine that you have five houses. You don't live in the five houses. You live in one but then you have a title or title documents that show that those houses are yours. So you see, you don't have the physical house in your hand, but you are holding the certificate of occupancy showing that you own a house. But you see, you are not carrying the house. That's, that's how faith is. Faith means that you have the title showing that what you hope for already belongs to you. That's why you know if you're a child of God, you've repented from your sins. You've not died yet, but you know where you are going. <laughs> you know that if you leave this world, you are headed for heaven. You have the title deed. You have the faith that you are placed in Christ that guarantees eternity. So faith being the proof of things that we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Hallelujah. So this brings me to the core of faith. What do you have at the core of faith? If, if, you are to, if you are to break faith open, what would you find in the middle of faith? There are like three things you are going to see at the core of faith. And we are going to look at them quickly now. Now, please look at, look at the things that I have uh, put up there on this slide. See, the first thing you have at the core the very center of faith, what you have there, if you can see my cursor moving to the place there, what you have at the core there is persuasion, conviction, assurance. So deep in the life of faith, you have convictions, core convictions. There is a friend of mine, he's a global missionary. <laughs> Incidentally, he's on, this, he's on the living truth tonight. Do you know I have watched his life over the years? He's driven by convictions. His convictions about the Great Commission have driven him to the uttermost ends of the earth. Looking for people that are lost. What is chasing him? What is driving him? 
he can live a comfortable life, but something is, is, is driving him from inside because he has this driving conviction that these people for whom Jesus died should not go to hell. They should not perish. They must hear the gospel. So you see, at the core of faith, you have convictions. Now, the next thing you have, just around outside the core there, you have, you now have, that is the second level, you have the actions and the words that are based on the convictions and the assurance of faith, the persuasion. So now, because you have convictions, you now begin to act on your convictions. You now begin to take steps that are congruent, steps that are in harmony, steps that correspond with your convictions. And then the final component, and even part of taking those steps is speaking words. <laughs> you hear the Bible, it says, we also, we have the spirit of faith as it is written. I have believed, therefore I have spoken. So Paul now says, he said, we also believe and then we also do what? We speak. So the spirit of faith talks and faith does not say what unbelief says. No, 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 no. For you to have an example, remember the woman with the issue of blood. She had the spirit of faith and that spirit of faith was talking. It was talking. If only I touch the helm of his garment, I shall be well. I will be well. I will be well. He didn't say, well, let me go and try and see what will happen. Let me see. Well, I may not even be able to touch him, but let me try and touch him and then maybe something will happen. No, 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 no. Because she has come to a conviction. How did she arrive at that conviction? We are going to discuss it further when we come to finding faith. But just briefly, remember that the Bible says in that story in Mark chapter 5, that that woman had been bleeding for many years. For 12 years, she had this issue of blood that refused to stop. And she had gone through all kinds of treatment. The Bible said she was not better. And then the Bible now says she heard of Jesus. So watch, she heard so you hear the Bible say, so then faith comes by what? By hearing, hearing, and hearing by the word, the word of God. So she heard of Jesus. They began to tell her stories of what this Jesus, you know, has, had been doing. Miracles, raising the dead, all kinds of astonishing, mind-blowing miracles. The woman say, eh, you mean he did that? They say, yes, I was there. Eventually, she was convinced. And in her mind, she said, if he raised the dead and he opened blind eyes and he raised the cripple and the paralytic and the one that was sick for 38 years, if he solved those problems, my own problem lasted only 12 years. I am not dead. I'm only bleeding. If only I touch the helm of his garment, I will be well. I will be well. So the conviction came. She began to act. That's the second component of faith. The final aspect, which is the outermost part, is now the consequences of convictions. The results of faith. 
And this is what a lot of people pursue. A lot of people want the results of faith, but you have to begin at the core if you are to enjoy the consequences of faith. Okay. If you look at, <laughs> if you look at this uh, slide I have here, notice what's going on here. This man is walking. And in the upper section, it says, Cast not away therefore your confidence. This is Hebrews 10.35. Which has great recompense of reward. <laughs> so the man is walking confidently. He believes. But if you look at that lower part, if you look at the lower end of the slide, you see the man is getting discouraged now. He's about to walk away. But look, look further at just what is left. So if this man just continues with his conviction that there is something beyond this wall, there is something beyond this wall, if he stays with that conviction, what's going to happen? He will strike one more axe. Go! And look at the treasures waiting on the other side. So you see, convictions don't quit. It is easier to take a person's life than to take away his convictions. This is why you are going to find out that many of us in the church, we don't really believe what we say we believe. This is the truth. And may the grace of God help us. So don't throw away your confidence. Whatever you are trusting God for, I want you to believe God because there will be a great recompense of reward in the name of Jesus Christ. So, one of the consequences of faith is that faith now becomes a shield. So you hear the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16, it said, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to do what? You will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, of the wicked. So, you see, your convictions are a shield. There are things that people want to bring towards you. You raise your convictions. You say, no. No, stop. You see, people who have no convictions, they are not shielded from anything. You see, the reason faith is a shield is that, look what he says, he says, take up the shield of what you believe. Just let's paraphrase it like this. Take up the shield of your convictions with which you will be able to quench not the word is quench, not block. Not, not block. There's a reason for that. Why quench? The reason is because when the enemy is throwing his fiery darts, the power of the fiery dart is not in the dart, is not in the strength of the dart, it's in the fire. You see, the power of the fiery dart is not in its, you know, projectile force. It's in the fire. That's why it's a, you see, the, the agenda of a fiery dart is to start a fire. See, when the dart is fired like that and it's coming, the plan is when the dart strikes, then it will kindle. So it is the fire that will effect what the enemy wants, not the strength of the dart. That's why the Bible does not say, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to block. It's not block. It's not blocking. You will quench. You will put out the fire. How will it happen? It is your conviction. Let me give you a simple example. You are walking along the road, uh, uh, man of God, 
And then the devil says, see that woman, see that woman. Hey, beautiful woman. She's more beautiful than your wife. Now, the question then is, what are your convictions? What do you believe? Ah, uh, your convictions kick in. Even though your wife traveled, you are, you are you're away from your family or you yourself, you traveled, your convictions kick in and scripture begins to rise up inside you saying, no, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. No, knowing this, my old man was crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we will not serve sin. He said, no, homongas and adulterers, God will judge. No, the old liars, the, the impure, the sexually immoral, they will have their part in the lake that burns with sulfur and bright. But as you are speaking your convictions, what happened? The fire is quenched. All the fire of desire, you quench it. How did you quench it? With your convictions. When fear comes at you and fear says tomorrow is bleak, you are finished, this is the end of everything, your convictions kick in. What are your convictions, child of God? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Your convictions kick in. He will never leave me nor forsake me. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth is removed. Why? Convictions rule the world. Satan says, um, he starts telling all kinds of lies. You raise the shield of what you believe. And you quench him. And you quench his lies. He says you are going to die. Your convictions kick in. He said, no. Oh, oh, oh. With long life will he satisfy me and he will show me his salvation. Who his own self bear my sins in his own body on the tree that I, being dead to sin, I should live to righteousness by whose stripes I have been healed. Your convictions kick in. I shall not die but live and declare the works of Almighty God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all my iniquities? Who heals all my diseases? Who redeems my life from destruction? Who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles? Your convictions kick in. When lack comes, your convictions kick in. My God, we supply. That is why when you have not cultivated convictions, the wind will carry you. Oh God, raise up a generation of believers that are ruled by convictions, that are rooted in the convictions of scripture. Not reeds that are shaken by the wind. So you see, at the core of faith, you have action that is based on your persuasion, your convictions, corresponding action. That's why the Bible says in the book of James that faith without works is dead. That means if there are no actions, <laughs> there is no faith. There is, there is nothing like faith that does not have corresponding action and corresponding speech. And I want to say something here just quickly, uh, everyone. Be very careful what you are saying in this season. I see a lot of believers, they are saying what they find in social media. You are saying what people are saying. Why are you saying what they are saying? Say what God said. God said, don't say what they say. Don't call it what they call it. When people say there is a casting down, don't say that. 
When they say the economy is horrible, hey, there is no hope. Don't say what they say. Why is that so? Because you have a bridge to omnipotence. Did you remember what I said at the beginning? You have a bridge to the invisible. You have access to invisible. The man or woman of faith has access to invisible resources. So even when the visible is bleak, the man and the woman of faith will stand on their convictions and something will manifest from the visible realm on their behalf. Now, to the contrary, at the core of unbelief, you have what I call unpersuadableness. You are unconvinced. He, the angel came to, uh, what's his name, to Zechariah, and he said, you're going to have a son. His name will be John. And all the things the angel said, Zechariah said, how do I know that what you are saying is going to happen? He was not convinced. <laughs> do, do, do you understand? That's, that is it. That's unbelief. Unbelief is when God says something and you are not convinced that what God said is true. That is unbelief. Look at Thomas. You see Thomas? By the way, some people say, why did the angel make uh, Zachariah dump? But he didn't do that to Mary. No, 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 no. They, we are, they were not. Mary was walking in faith. Zachariah was walking in unbelief. And <laughs> I say to people, I think it was good that the angel shot Zachariah's mouth because Elizabeth would have had a miscarriage if Zach continued to talk the way he was talking. <laughs> you know, Eliza, we want they say, darling, as if I'm feeling something. Yeah, that's how you always be feeling something. You always be feeling something. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. Eliza, we say, but I'm feeling something. As if my body is changing. Zach, we say, which body is changing? It didn't change last time. Zach, we continue with his own belief. So the angel said, just keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. And notice he didn't say anything until John came out. They said, hey, you can talk now. <laughs> but by that time, he had realized that the word of God was true and he began to prophesy. A failure to be convinced by the word. Look at Thomas. Jesus came. It was true that Jesus came. The rest of the apostles are not known for lying because Jesus has been teaching them. They are disciples. And then they said to Tom, Jesus came. Tom said, you are the one that saw him. Oh, I don't believe you. Tom refused to be convinced. That's unbelief. See, unbelief is when you don't agree that what God said is true. It's, it's as simple as that. You are not convinced by the promise. You are not convinced that God will look after you. So, you worry. You are worried. You are anxious. This, this tension is eating you inside. You are just confused. You are, you are panicking as if you are an orphan. But Jesus said, I will not leave you as an orphan. So the Bible says, anybody who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed what God said. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. All right. So just quickly, as we wrap up, examples of the work of faith. I've already mentioned several, so I'm not, I won't spend too much time on this. You, the, the, the key example is Abraham. I'm sure all of us are familiar with Abraham. And you can read Abraham's story, you know, Romans chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 11 and Genesis, you know, 15, 16, 17, you know, and 20, 21. Abraham believed God. Wow! Can you imagine that God came and said, Abraham, leave your country, leave your father's house to a land that I will show you. You see? 
He cannot see the land. God said, leave. So Abraham left, going to where he was going, without knowing where he was going. That's what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. He said, by faith, Abraham, he left, said, not knowing where he was going. So somebody said, A.B., where are you going? He said, I don't know where I'm going, but I know I will know the place when I get there. Say, what kind of madness is that? Abraham said, it's not madness. God spoke to me. Say, which God spoke to you? That's the life of faith. You see, unbelievers who cannot see what you see and what you believe, they don't understand it. How do you sacrifice your only son? Abraham took a knife to, to slice through Isaac. It was later in the book of Hebrews, the Bible told us, that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. That God was able to raise up, raise up Isaac from the dead. He was fully persuaded. You see, you see the conviction. He was fully persuaded. When you read Hebrews 11, you see the other men and women of faith. And something that will strike you in Hebrews 11 was that the Bible even said that these all died in faith not having received the promise, but having seen it afar off, and they were persuaded. You see the word persuaded? They were convinced about them. They embraced them, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So you see, faith manifested because of their faith. The Bible said many of them refused to be set free. They chose to suffer. Because of faith. You see, faith is not something that you just, a switch, you turn it on when you need something from God. And then when you finish, you turn it off. No, 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 no. Faith is a conviction about the personality of God that makes you to entrust all to him. And you say, if I perish, I perish. So some of them could have been set free if they recanted. But they said, no, they were looking for a better resurrection. The Bible said they were looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is Almighty God. And wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared a city for them. Eh? So you see their convictions and their actions. The Bible said people receive miracles. One, in Hebrews 11, the Bible said, he said they turned to flight the armies of strangers. They work strong in battle because of their convictions. Their confidence in God made them strong in battle. Do you know your confidence in God will make you fearless in the face of life? They took territories for God. Your confidence in God will send you to the darkest places of the earth with the gospel. I'm talking to somebody who is listening to me here. Your confidence in God will send you to the nations and say Jesus must be known in this nation. And if I perish, I perish. That's how missionaries came to Africa. That's how they went to Asia. That's how they, that's how, that was what took people to preach the gospel. They were persuaded that Jesus died for everybody. They should, they need to hear that Jesus paid the price for them. The life of faith. So all of these are examples of faith and it made them to take concrete steps. Glory to the Son of God. Look at Paul. Just look at the life of Paul. You see, he said, I am persuaded. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38. He said, what shall we say to all these things? What, what will separate us from the love of God? He said, with tribulation, will, will, will famine, or pestilence, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? 
He said, I'm persuaded that neither height nor depth, principalities nor powers, things present or things to come, or anything else in all creation. He said, I am persuaded. I am comforted. <laughs> Hallelujah. The man will say, I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. They cannot take me away from the love of God. Listen, nothing will remove you from the love of God in the name of Jesus. That conviction will bring rest in your spirit. He spoke to the Philippians. He said, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you, <laughs> hallelujah, he is faithful, he will finish it. I want you to listen, child of God. God will finish what he started in your life. Be confident. Do you know that you are not the one that started this Christian life? Listen to me. You're not the one that started this, your Christian life. Oh. One day it dawned on me that, look, Ferdinand, you're not the one that started this thing. If God was depending on you to finish what he started, there is no hope. But Brother Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing. That the one who started will finish it. The message version said that he will bring it to a flourishing finish in the day of Christ. And then he said in the book of Timothy, he said, I know him whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him until that final day. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So if you now look at these men and women of faith, you, you see what I put up on the board there. I left the other side blank deliberately. Look at them, Abel. Bible says, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more acceptable sacrifice by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gift. Hallelujah. Look at Noah. He said, by faith, Noah, he built an ark. Do you know that when God told Noah to build an ark, it had never rained. There was no rain. The, the land was dry. So Noah was convinced that what God said was true, that a flood was coming. That is faith. Faith means that God said something. You agree with what God said. You are convinced that what God said is true. That's faith. And then you start taking actions. So Noah began to build the ark. And he built the ark on dry land. <laughs> Do you understand? Noah built the ark on dry land according to specifications. So imagine people mocking and laughing. Do you know that the carpenters that helped Noah to build the ark, the people, the contractors that supplied the wood, all of them perished because they never believed. They were building until Noah entered the, the thing, the ark, and God closed the door. Look at Abraham. Look at David and Goliath. David went after Goliath in faith. He said, God, and now listen to what David talked. So you see, faith talks. We, your mouth will reveal whether you are walking in faith or you are walking in unbelief. What is coming out of your mouth? Huh? Your mouth. David faced Goliath. He said, you come again. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. You come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you. In the name of the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He said, today, today, faith is a prophet. Do, do you know that if you believe what God said, you become a prophet? Because you will be announcing it before it arrives. If you believe what God said, you become a prophet. You'll be saying the thing. Say, how do you know? He said, I know. This is what God said. Today, I will cut, God will bring, deliver you to my hand. I will cut off your head. And everybody here will know. This is faith talking. Brother David, why are you, how are you so sure 
that this will happen. Aha! You see the unbelief? The reason he's sure is because God has convinced him. And you yourself, from today, I, I perceive faith rising in your spirit. Somebody here now, to believe God. I perceive faith rising in your spirit to take territories for the kingdom of God. We don't have time to go through all the others. But you can see that their faith had corresponding action. So how do you find faith? You find faith in the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me just say something there that might help you. You know, I, I like to pay attention to scripture. I like to pay attention to scripture. And I came to understand that that scripture does not say, so then faith comes by reading. Please listen. What I'm saying here, help me. And I believe it will help you. You see, a lot of believers are limited in their engagement of the faith-building word of God because they think that the only way the word of God can enter into them is to read it. But the Bible does not say faith comes by reading. It says faith comes by hearing. Why is that so? Because when that scripture was written in first century AD, literacy rate, literacy rate, the percentage of people that could read was 15%. So it meant that 85% of people in the church and of other people, they could not read. They didn't have a Bible to read. Remember the early church did not have a New Testament to read. So how did faith come? They kept hearing the word. They kept hearing the word. They kept hearing. That's why for me, I read the Bible. Of course, by reading, you also hear as you read. But do you know, I listen to scripture a lot. I listen. I listen. I listen. I play scripture in my home. While I'm in the bathroom, I'm in the car, I'm listening. Because now we have opportunity to listen to scripture. Do you know that there are some times when you are driving, you can't read when you are driving. You can't be reading when you are cooking, but you can listen. So when you start maximizing every opportunity for the word to keep entering into you, your convictions will begin to grow. Where does faith come from? Faith comes as you engage the word and don't forget what I said at the beginning. Don't just be looking for promises as you engage the word. Be looking for the promiser. <laughs> you know, when I study my Bible, I'm looking for God. I'm looking for God in the Bible. And as I'm seeing him in his greatness, in my spirit, something says he can afford it. He can afford it. He can afford it. The fear disappears. The worry fizzles. He can afford it. He can afford it. He can afford it. Ah, the almighty creator of heaven and earth who upholds planet earth on nothing. He can afford to meet your needs. Don't you think so, child of God? He can much, much more than afford it. Now not to him that is able to do. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think or imagine according to his power that is at work in you. To him be praise and glory forever and ever. So, this is, this is a full topic by itself, but I have just summarized it. Spend time in the word. Listen to the word. Listen to teachings. That's what you are doing tonight. Spending this time in living truth. As that word is... Look, look at as you are listening to the word. Faith is rising in your spirit tonight. 
to believe God, to reach out and to receive what God has, has, has ordained for your life as well as to use you to do. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. So what are the applications as we draw to a close? The application here, don't forget what it means to live by faith is to regulate our lives and, our, and conduct ourselves by our conviction, our belief. That's what it means to live by faith. So what does it mean? Here are the applications. So the, the question I want to ask you is, so what do you really believe? <laughs> and see that my chat there, I hope that you can see it on your own screen. You see, I have belief. So I have God. What do you believe about God and about his love for you? What do you believe about God's power, his kingdom, the priority of his kingdom? What do you really believe about God's character? His holiness, huh? the justice of God, the righteousness of God. What do you believe? <laughs> do you know what is going to happen? If you believe God's character as is revealed in scripture, those convictions will generate holiness in your life. They will keep you apart from the compromise and the secret sins that, that are, are prevalent in our generation. Because you won't do those things. You will not close the door and be doing some things that are contrary to your convictions. Do you know I hate cigarettes? Oh, I hate cigarettes with a passion. So can you imagine somebody smoking it in my presence and I'm breathing it? No, you know it's impossible. You don't do that with Ferdinand. No, I'm, I, I will leave or you put it in or you, you, you put it off. Except, of course, I'm preaching to somebody who is not born again and we have to endure. But you, you don't force it on me. I don't, I, my, my spirit rejects it. What do you really believe? What do you believe about life? The challenges that you face in life. What do you believe? Do you really believe that they are going to swallow you? Is that what you believe? Do you really believe that God is so weak that he cannot send help to you? The creator of heaven and earth? The father of our Lord Jesus Christ that raised Jesus from the dead? Is that what you believe? No, you don't believe that, child of God. What do you believe? That these needs are too big for Jehovah to meet? What is your need that the owner of heaven and earth cannot supply? What do you believe about the gospel? What do you believe about those that are not born again? Do you really believe that without Christ, they are going to go to hell? Your conviction will drive you to preach the gospel. Do you know, the reason I preach the gospel is because I know that those that are without Christ, they are lost. There is no hope. Excuse me, child of God, where is the hope in the world today? Where is the hope? Who is the hope? Is it the politicians? Is it Mohammed? Is it Buddha? Where is, who is the hope? Who is the hope? Is it the government? Look at the governments around the world. They are confused. It's not just Africa. Look at even the Western nations. Where is the hope? Jesus is the only hope. The Bible said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ inside you, the hope of glory. But Paul said, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. What do you believe about the Great Commission? Is it worth your life? Is it worth your money? Do you know that if you believe, let me give you an example. Do you know that a hundred dollars can keep a missionary on the field for one whole month preaching the gospel to those who have never heard. One hundred dollars a month. That's, that's missions. 
That's missions. That's why we are adopting mission fields. We are adopting mission fields. We want to send out missionaries because there are 2.4 billion people today who have not heard the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. My conviction cannot allow me to, to ignore that. You see, your convictions will not allow you to ignore what other people ignore. No, 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 no. Some people who don't believe what you believe, they will come and pass. But you, your convictions will not let you pass. Your convictions will not allow you to sleep. But if you pass, say, no, 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 no. This cannot continue here. What do you believe about the promises of God for your life? <laughs> for your future? Can you see God taking care of you? Can you see God as more than enough for everything you can face? Yeah? Come and hear the Bible. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, therefore, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The next application is, what will you do with what you believe? What will you do with what you believe? And... The other question is, what are you saying? Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, in our studies this evening, uh, uh, servants of God, leaders, we have spent some time to see what it means to live by faith. We have spent some time to establish from Scripture that the life of faith is a life that is ruled from inside by convictions. It's a life that pleases God because it's a life that provides a bridge to the impossible. Hallelujah. It's a life that provides a bridge to the impossible, a bridge to the invisible. It's a life where you are not ruled by what you see with your eyes or what you feel with your senses but with the convictions that God has deposited into your spirit. Maker of heaven, Lord of the land, and Lord of the sea.